The NHL draft is just days away, and we've talked about who the Predators may pick in the first round, but there are some sleepers the Predators could be interested in in later rounds. Today, we're joined by Eric Denay to talk about some interesting Predators sleeper picks. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making the Locked on Predators your first listen of the day. Every day we are free and available on all of your favorite podcasting platforms and on YouTube. Of course, a special shout out to our everydayers, the Locked on Predheads. Thank you for spending your day with us as we talk all things Nashville Predators. I am Ann Kimmel. I'm a writer at InsideThePreds.com. And in just a moment, I am going to be joined by my partner in crime, Nick Morgan. Today, Nick and I welcome prospects guru, Eric Dene. Now, Eric has joined us on the show to talk about the upcoming NHL draft, talked about players the Predators could target with their first round picks. But today, Eric joins us to talk about some sleeper picks. Well, the 2023 NHL draft in Nashville is now one day away. And for the last time before the draft, we are bringing back Penalty Box Radio prospects guru Eric Denay onto the show. Eric, your time is almost here, my friend. It's it's your Super Bowl Sunday, basically. Yes, I, uh, I'm very excited. I'm also extremely tired, but ready, ready for this, uh, this uh, week of fun ahead. Yeah, you've uh, you've had fifty articles a week for the last uh, <laughs> last four or five weeks. It seems like. Yeah, it's uh, it's been a lot of work, but um, this is a really interesting draft class. So, uh, and I've enjoyed uh, scouting them this year. Yeah, well, Eric, uh, in in past shows you've joined us. You talked about who the Preds could take at fifteen. You talked about who the Preds could pick at twenty four. Some of your maybe picks for the top of the draft. So today. We're going to focus maybe on the stuff that's not going to happen tomorrow. Maybe the stuff that happens Thursday. And we're going to be talking about sleeper options that the Preds can get later in the draft. And I want to start, Eric, by talking about a uh, guy who we're going to see a lot of in the Big Ten next year. And that is Zach Scholl's U.S. national team product and future Wisconsin Badger uh, what can you tell us about this guy, Eric? Yeah, well, this is a really interesting year for um, the U.S. national team um, at the draft. You know, we've had the past couple of years, we've had really big classes from them. And in this year, um, it's relatively smaller. You know, we've got that kind of four forwards at the top of the class and then there's a pretty big drop off. Uh, and that's especially true for the blue line. Um, there's no one on the blue line that really stands out that's really made a name for themselves as like a surefire first rounder. Um, in fact, I'd be shocked if any of their their defenders get picked in the first round. Um, but one guy that has stood out to me, uh, as you mentioned, is Zach Schultz, who um, has played a really interesting role for them uh, this year and, and ultimately actually was the, the, their um, captain at the U18 World Juniors um, a couple months ago. Um, you know, kind of the like one sentence on him is, is um, really strong defensive option, lower ceiling on offense. Um, but I think there's a lot of foundation to his game that um, projects well to the NHL. And, you know, going to play in the Big Ten, I think, is, is also kind of a value add there. So 
Um, I think he is kind of your definition of a, a mid-round, um, you know, swing, someone who you see those projectable skills in and you hope you can kind of extract more out of. So when you look at him, what are the skills that he has that you think make him a decent option? And what are the areas where you feel like, look, this is somebody who's going to have to grow in this if they're going to crack the NHL roster? Yeah, um, I think he is a really strong skater. Uh, I think his rush defense is really solid. Um, you know, he, he mirrors opposing forwards pretty well, maintains his gaps. Uh, he attacks his gaps pretty aggressively, um, but his angles are strong. So he's not um, he's not always, you know, putting himself at risk of, of, of kind of getting exposed with deeks to the slaughter, things like that. Uh, he's physical. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world, but um, he, he plays with some bite. Uh, he likes to check guys along the wall um to, to force turnovers um he you know in one-on-one -on -one battles in the defensive end i i think he's really strong he's got good positioning good awareness um so yeah those are kind of the notable strengths um and a little bit too in transition he he steps into his passes uh he jumps the zone well he's not going to like lead the rush per se as, as some other defenders will you know his his game at that end almost kind of stops when it comes to dumping the puck into the zone but um, I think he's a guy you can count on to be a solid puck mover um, through the neutral zone. In terms of kind of downsides, um, I think off the puck in his own end, he can get a little, his game gets a little interesting. Um, I think sometimes when he's not kind of chasing that puck carrier, he kind of loses sight of what he's supposed to be doing and, and um, the position he's supposed to be maintaining. So just working on that a bit. And, um, you know, in my scouting of him this year, I've noticed a good bit of instances of, you know, more complex zone entries where you've got a drop pass and a guy cutting to the slot, something, you know, um, a little, like I said, more complex than your kind of simple um, rush chances. Uh, he can get caught out um, a bit by those. Uh, so I think just a little more kind of uh, discipline against those of those chances, um, you know, will, will make him be a really effective uh, defender at, at higher levels. Yeah, it, it seems like a lot of people have this guy pegged, um, you know, maybe fifth, sixth round, somewhere in there. Uh, where do you have him ranked? And do you anticipate sort of him going in that range? Yeah, so he didn't uh, crack my top 96 ranking. Um, obviously, 96 players covers three rounds. So, um, so yeah, you know, I, I generally agree. I think fourth, fifth, or sixth round is, is probably right. Um this uh, is a bit of a sneak peek, or not a sneak peek, I guess. Uh, it'll be out by the time folks listen to this, but um, I've got him on my kind of fourth round draft board for the Preds, um, particularly with three picks there. I think he'd be well worth um, taking a swing on in, in uh, one of those middle rounds. Gotcha. Uh, let's talk, let's stay with defensemen and talk about a, another guy, Carl so or Carter, excuse me. I'm sure there's a Carl somewhere, but <laughs> this one is Carter. Sotheran, a defenseman from the Portland Winterhawks, uh, a little bit of a bigger guy than Scholes, 6'3", 185 pounds, right-handed shot, which teams seem to salivate over. Uh, what's the story on this guy? Yeah, uh, truthfully not a player I was all that familiar with going into this season. Uh, hadn't heard his name much. Don't I hadn't watched you know intentionally any of his games going into the year, um, and where I noticed him was that he played most of the year as um, Luca Cagnoni's um, defense partner in Portland, who is another top defenseman for this class. And every time I was watching um, Cagnoni, I just kept noticing his partner and noticing um, you know some of the tendencies he was exhibiting, and 
I really took an interest to his game. So uh, like you mentioned, a bigger guy, um, his partner, you know, very offensive minded uh, defenseman loves to activate, very aggressive. So that kind of forced Sother into play more of a two way game. But I think he really excelled at it. Um, I think he's got skills at both end of the ice, both ends of the ice that project well to the NHL. Um, you know, I was a little surprised not to see him make Bob McKenzie's final um, final draft ranking, which is a, a survey of about a dozen NHL scouts. Um, but I am like maybe more convinced than anyone that this guy is going to be like a middle pair defender in the NHL for a pretty long time. Um, there's a lot I love about his game. Yeah. So when you're looking at him, you're we're talking about his size. You got somebody who's six four, two hundred and five pounds. Does he play a physical game and how does that affect things like, you know, what do you see from him as far as skating, as far as speed, playing in transition? What do you like yeah. or what are concerns about that for you? Yeah, he does play a physical game, but not like unnecessarily. So he, um, you know, I don't think he uh, he's not lining up guys in the neutral zone to, um, you know, lay, lay big hits or anything like that. But um, he is aggressive in his gap control. And when he angles um, off those players well, he, he really smothers those chances against the boards with with that big frame. So I think he's an excellent rush defender. Uh, I think he really understands how to handle players of varying speeds and delay tactics without getting caught out of position. He pivots well. I think he's a strong skater, um, particularly for his size. You know, he doesn't have elite speed per se, but his skating mechanics, I think, are very good. Um, and you see that in transition well, you know, Again, where his partner was really the one leading the rush most of the time. Southern didn't get that many chances uh, to do the same. But similar to Schultz, he steps into those D to D passes. He jumps the zone quickly. His accelerating steps, I think, are pretty solid. Uh, skates with his head up, manages the puck well in, in transition. Um, and he doesn't always just kind of dump the puck in. You know, he'll gain the zone, he'll pull up, uh, he'll pass it off, and then start establishing those puck supported positions in the offensive zone. And every now and then you got to see an instance where, uh, whether it be, you know, encouraging that activation from his partner or just, you know, the kind of tactics Portland was wanting to use where he would activate down for the blue line, whether it's for a backdoor chance, whether um, it was to pass across the Royal Road, uh, you know, whatever it may be, and uh, scored a handful of goals and picked up some assists that way as well. So. Um, you know, certainly not elite speed or elite puck skills or anything like that, but uh, I think he's he's well-rounded uh, in all of those facets, and, and that's part of the reason why I think he could really make an impact at the pro level. Yeah, we're, we're not talking about elite speed or anything, but yeah. it's certainly when I read his profile and listen to you talk, I think about the Vegas Golden Knights this past year mm -hmm. and that blue line, how there's a yeah. lot of size – on there a lot of physicality but all of those guys could skate all of those guys uh you know even if they didn't have great breakaway speed had a lot of lateral quickness they could keep up with some of the nhl's fastest players and we ann and i were talking about this yesterday when we were doing our you know free agency picks it's the predators i feel like really need some of those guys in the pipeline uh and, and so when you look at, at southern do you see him in that kind of a mold, especially if he can, you know, keep growing some of that skating skill set, you know, into NHL level? Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a great comparison. Um, I mean, you guys know I'm not a huge fan of player comparables, but 
two guys that kind of come to mind um, in terms of his his playing style and his ability are uh, Matthias Ekholm and, and, to your point, Nick, Zach Whitecloud, um, I think really exemplify a lot of his strengths. Um, and and I think Nashville has the, the development staff to really extract those skills out even further and, and make him, you know, independent uh, of his D partner, who is really the offensive mastermind here, but make sure that Sothering can execute those plays um, with his own, uh, you know, a differing partner at higher levels as well. I think you had Ann sold at Matias at home. <laughs> I think I'm you're going. In, y'all. <laughs> I think you're going to see her deliver the draft card, <laughs> and I will scratch out whatever name is on there and add right. it. Yeah, right. yeah, exactly. Uh, letting security know now. Uh, so Eric, coming up, Eric shares with us a finish forward he thinks the Predators may want to target in later rounds. Plus, we talk about whether the Predators might try to move up in the first round of the draft. But first, want to let you know this episode's brought to you by our great friends at eBay Motors. Look, for a championship team, it is all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. And it's the same thing when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So the next time that you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay's guaranteed fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to the My Garage section and look for the green check to know the part will fit or your money back. Because just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win with the right parts when they're guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, and the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride. eBay guaranteed fit only available to U.S. customers. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Uh, Eric, everybody on Twitter uh, knows jokingly that you kind of struck gold uh, with a certain a Finnish forward prospect by the name of Yusuf Parsonen a couple Let's years go. ago in the draft. A guy that nobody was talking about that you kept insisting should be a lot higher uh, than people uh, had ranked on their board. This year, you're you're highlighting another finish forward looks maybe like a little bit of a different build than Parson and maybe a different type of player a little bit. Uh, what can you tell us about Rasmus Kumpalainen? Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, um, I think a lot of folks are, are talking about Kumpalainen, but uh, in my first viewings of him, he did actually remind me of Parson and here and there um, in a few kind of broader categories, you know, not the best skater in the world. doesn't really have, um, a, a, you know, above average top gear uh, when it comes to kind of NHL level skating. He's not uh, kind of a wizard with the puck per se, but um, plays a really solid game in all three zones. And I mean, he gets results, you know, he's again, he's not going to be like a, a, a high end scorer per se, but it's kind of about managing the game for him, pushing the play forward and uh, helping, you know, drive his teammates ability to to finish uh, chances and, and, and score those goals. So in talking about him, one of the things that sort of stood out or one of the things that people have kind of rumbled about him is maybe he doesn't have that offensive finesse. But what does he have that makes you think this could be somebody that could contribute on the NHL level? Yeah, I think he's a really good, a really good four checker. Um, again, you know, the speed isn't quite there. The stops and starts that need some refinement in that, but 
His general positioning on the forecheck, I think, is really good. He takes good angles. He cuts the ice in half for opponents, forces them into, um, you know, less than desirable decisions. Um, and that's a really um, that's a really strong asset at the NHL level that, you know, not every prospect just inherently has. Uh, I think, you know, if if a team can work on a skating a bit, that kind of becomes even more effective. Uh, you know, at his size, uh, I think he... he um, can be a really solid kind of net front presence in in uh, the offensive zone. He, you know, if he's going to make it, he's going to score a lot of those like greasier goals. Um, but that's not to say that he can't kind of outmuscle his way and uh, give himself, uh, you know, advantage positioning um, among uh, on defenders in the offensive zone because he's shown he's capable of that too. Kind of diving into the soft ice at the right time um, and putting home those chances and. Then at the other end of the ice, uh, I think his, his defensive metrics have been really good this season. And I've liked what I've seen um, of him, you know, uh, engaging in, in board battles, you know, manning the point. Um, he's not jumping the zone too early. He's pretty responsible on the breakout. Um, and, you know, despite the, the flaws in the skating, he's not, um, you know, he's not a mess in transition, right? He, he plows forward. He's kind of a north-south guy in that sense. And again, is it uh, overhandling uh, the puck is definitely under handling it but um you know those are all things that that development staff can um work with him a lot on and improve and, and make him even more of a, a good puck protector and kind of possession manager uh through the neutral zone and into the offensive zone yeah it, it's interesting because you've heard barry trotz mention that you know his goal is to get faster you know in, in really all areas of the lineup you know get get quicker you know more agile uh so what what makes you look at somebody like Kupalainen who maybe doesn't have that top speed yeah. and, and still look at and say, okay, this is somebody that, you know, maybe he's missing like the number one component, but he still fits in to, you know, an NHL system somewhere in some role. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think we, we obviously have all been kind of taken, you know, we've been enamored with Trotz's comments about how, how he wants to shape this roster forward. But the reality is, is like you look at any team in the NHL and, and all, you know, nobody has 18 skaters who are 18 elite skaters. Um, there is a home for guys who maybe can't find that top gear. And I think Yuso Parsons is really a great example. I think his skating has come a long way since when I first watched him, of course. Mm -hmm. But uh, I would still not consider him like fast per se. Uh, I think he's got really good pace and a really good motor. And he understands the smarts of when to move his feet, the timing of, of attacking loose pucks, of attacking open ice to give his teammates passing options. And, you know, having that kind of on ice IQ um, to exploit plays when you're off the puck um, without being the fastest guy out there is another way of getting to being quick to being, you know, a, a player that has noticeable pace without having like top end speed. So I think there's almost kind of like multiple ways to get there and Kumpelin has some smarts that I think will help him achieve that. Uh, one more guy that I want to talk about, and of course, it's a Slovakian player. Of course it is with you, Eric. Uh, and that's Alex Chernik. Uh, and this is a guy that, you know, he's down on the draft boards, but you look at his numbers and they're, they're pretty impressive. You know, 21 points in 18 games uh, with his under-20 team in Sweden, had three points for Slovakia in five games uh, in the in the World Juniors. Um, what's what's this guy's story and why aren't more people talking about him? 
Yeah, well, look, you can't blame me for the fact that uh, Slovakia has just been producing more NHL. <laughs> so, um, uh, no, I mean, I think his interesting his story is interesting, and it's kind of similar to Dalibor Dvorsky in a way that um, both of these guys have really been on folks' radar for a few years now. Um, you know, Chernik was someone who probably three years ago was, um, before he really jumped into the U18 and U20 levels, was someone... Um, who folks were, were were saying, you know, could potentially be a first round pick, if not a, you know, first half of the first round pick kind of guy. Um, I think the results since, you know, haven't obviously, they've not been like amazing. Otherwise we wouldn't be talking him as kind of a, a mid round option, but they haven't been bad. Um, and I think, you know, folks have just been kind of missing that like nuance to what he's ultimately accomplished. Um, I really like his game. This is, you know, kind of the exact, the exact kind of player that I think teams should be um, taking a swing on in, in this range of the draft. He is so, so smart. I think with the puck, without the puck, um, he really understands uh, kind of to the point I was just making, he really understands, um, you know, how to be as efficient as, a, as possible and exploiting other teams, weaknesses, other teams, mistakes. Um, and, you know, he's probably not going to score 30 goals in the NHL, but, um, you know, you want to talk about this team, not only getting faster, but, um, getting more skill, like that skill needs to come at the bottom of the lineup too. And mm. I, I think he's got, um, you know, really great puck skills that could complement um, a middle or a bottom six, uh, group anywhere in the league. So. Is there any concern for you? He's a little bit, uh, undersized for a hockey player, 5'10", 179. You think that that is any bit of a concern, especially if you're looking at somebody that's going to play a little bit further down the lineup? Yeah, I mean, yeah, that's certainly a, a something that, um, you know, teams have or scouts have mentioned over the past couple of years that he's never really like filled out uh, a, a bigger frame. But, you know, obviously this kid is still 18, right? He's got uh, some more years to grow ahead of him. Um, I think to the point about, you know, concerns about the size, though, he, he plays. Um, I think a very slippery game and even yeah. uh with the puck you know i've never had major concerns about him like getting knocked off um possession uh or really pushed around um you know he maybe won't like muscle his way out of every one-on-one -on -one battle in the corner per se but um I, I i think his skating mechanics are strong enough that uh and his pace is really good that um you know again he he knows where and when to attack so to keep himself out of trouble uh, and on top of that, he, you know, off the puck, I think he can be very annoying in a good way. He's a really kind of pestering four checker. Uh, he, he is pretty crafty with the stick lifts and the stick checks um, on opposing players and forces a lot of turnovers in that regard. So um, adding that kind of skill to uh, a bottom six as well is, is super helpful. And, um, you know, on top of that, like a good bit of skill, I think he's got a good release. Uh, he handles the puck very well. Um, and I think generally just a very intelligent player. So. Yeah. So, Eric, we, we talked about some some good options for the Nashville Predators later in the draft. Uh, the situation for the team has changed since we last talked about our first round options. Uh, a notable trade here and there. Uh, and now there's a lot of people kind of speculating maybe the Predators might be aggressive night one. Maybe there's talk about maybe packaging a couple picks to move up into the top ten. You know, maybe one of those picks moves to take a big swing at a player already in the league. 
What are your kind of thoughts on maybe what you think the Predators might do night one versus maybe, you know, if you could, if you could give Trot some advice, what maybe he should do on night one? Yeah, I mean, so the chatter's kind of been about them moving up into the top 10, which by top 10, we really mean like kind of five or six through 10, um, because no one in the top four, I presume, is going to be moving back. <laughs> um, it would be quite shocking. Uh, I mean, look, I love the boldness, right? Like, why not try, uh, particularly when you have the most picks of any team at this draft? And it's not like you are you don't have picks for years to come either, you know? Um I think the the pipeline is in a good place, and this is this draft is a really great opportunity to help it take uh, another step forward. You know, I think what they might do ultimately, or what they will do ultimately, is is probably stand pat. I I you know would be curious about the interest of teams in the back half of the top ten as to why they'd want to move back, and I'm not sure yeah. I quite see it from anyone. You know, Arizona, Montreal, Washington. I'm just doesn't really make sense to me. I think, you know, St. Louis is potentially an option, but then you get into the the idea of like, okay, is moving up five spots worth it in such a deep, you know, particularly a deep first round? Um, and I would say it probably isn't. The exception to that might be like if Oliver Moore is sitting there at 10 and you're afraid he's going to go at 11 or 12 and you can just move up with both your first rounders only, like that's a move I would make, right? But, you know, I don't want to sell the farm four or five picks for a Alex to which nothing against the player, but like unclear what the kind of direction of this team would be if, if they're going that route. Right. Um, mm-hmm. Or, or B uh, you know, to move up five spots to get like Matthew Wood when you could get like Colby Barlow at 15, you know um, I don't think there's that much of a gap between those two players. So um, yeah, I think ultimately they'll, they'll probably stand pat um, unless some team makes some really interesting decisions uh and ultimately that's probably what i tell trots to do as well um i think like i said this is a great opportunity to really restock the pipeline and get some exciting guys in the fold here um you know at 15 and 24 you could get two guys who you know in a weaker draft or another draft would both be top 15 picks so um you know take that opportunity um if you want to move up in later rounds you have the capital to do that two second rounders three thirds three fourths um you know so uh Unless it's like jumping up to get Matt Vay-Mitchkov, which would be amazing, uh, I would probably hold on. <laughs> so that's a move you would make. You you would yeah. you would go up to get him. Any yeah. possibility you think that happens? Uh, like a what would it take to chance? make that happen? I guess is a better question. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, the tough thing, right, is like we and it's hard for me to tell whether this is just like everyone's kind of like connected the easy dots. This is like the like comparing Matthew Wood to Tate Thompson of of like trade rumors where people are like, oh, Mitch Koff's not getting past Washington and like, oh, he wants to play there. blah blah blah. And that very may well be true. Right. And and they certainly have a great track record of of getting Russian players to come over and, and, um, you know, making sure they're at home here. Uh, So moving ahead of Washington is is tough. I would argue moving ahead of Arizona is even tougher who might also take him. Um, It just, it doesn't, it, nothing like unfolds to me in my mind that would like make a team want to make that move as to where they could get Mitch Goff. You know, like I said, 10 maybe, but like I'm certain he'll be gone by then. So. 
Yeah. Uh, either way, it is going to be an interesting couple of days uh, for Nashville. Uh, Eric, thank you very much for joining us. We know you're going to have a busy couple of days, but uh, we hope to have you back sometime in the near future to maybe talk about what the Predators did wind up doing at the draft. Until uh, we reach that point, though, where can the people find all of your draft coverage this week? Yeah, uh, you can follow me on Twitter at OnTheFuturePBR. Um, I have been putting out pretty regularly articles about, um, you know, players to watch for Nashville at, at every pick of theirs. Um, released my um, final top 96 draft ranking last week. Um, I'll be at the draft uh, this week, uh, live coverage there, uh, and a full video breakdown of every pick um, by the Preds afterwards. Um, and all of that can be found on my Twitter or on uh, penaltyboxradio.com. Cool. Eric, thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you. Once again, we want to thank Eric Denae for joining us to talk about picks and options for the Predators in the later rounds. Be sure you follow Eric all this week as he continues his in-depth draft coverage and keep it locked on to Locked on Predators this week. Nick and I will be downtown covering all of the events at the NHL draft. We'll be bringing you all the news as it happens, so stay tuned. Thanks for making Locked on Predators your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with more draft coverage.